Hello and welcome to Zero Year Podcast, where I have no idea what I'm talking about and I'm learning along the way. I'm your host, Ty. Um, I've released two episodes so far and a handful of you have listened. I really appreciate those handful. Um, as I'm doing this, I'm going on my merry way and collecting irresponsibly all the Batman uh, comics per volume and omnibus that I can. Um, because I feel like I've rediscovered a love for this character. Literally, uh, my wife was, I was telling her about what I was getting and she was like, how much did you spend? And I made it sound like it uh, wasn't really as much as I spent. So, again, thank you all for listening. Um, if you'd like to actually discuss Batman or ask questions or simply annoy me, you can follow me at Zero Year Podcast on Twitter. I do have a personal Steelbook Daddy. Um, it is unrelated to the podcast where I just bullshit. But on a little bit of better note, today we are talking about Batman Year One, Chapter Two, aka Batman 405, which is written once again by Frank Miller, penciled and inked by David Mazzicelli, colored by Richmond Lewis, and lettered by Todd Klein, and edited, finally, by Dennis O'Neill. This issue came out March of 1987, and this chapter takes place from April 4th to April 6th. I'm going to read some trivia and notes for you and also summarize the plot because guess what I didn't do last time. If you haven't read this issue, then you're probably like confused as shit. So some notes. This issue is the earliest chronological appearance of Bruce Wayne as the Batman. Earliest chronological appearances of Batman's Batarang and Utility Belt. Reference is made to Arkham Asylum in this issue, that it is. And Jefferson Skeevers makes an appearance in flashback only. He appears next to Batman. He appears next in Batman 407. Some trivia. Barbara Eileen Gordon remarks that you don't have to go back to Metropolis for a Man of Steel, indicating that Superman is already active as a superhero by the time Bruce Wayne first dons the costume as Batman. The tagline for this issue is, he has trained and planned and waited 18 years. He thinks he's ready. Thinks is the key word. Commissioner Loeb is seen wearing a Mickey Mouse badge at the mayor's party. He's kind of a farce himself. And then the characters we're introduced to. Uh, this, the featured character, of course, is Batman. Supporting characters, Harvey Dent, James Gordon, Sarah Essen, which is the first appearance. We have some antagonists. We have Arnold Flass, Gilliam B. Loeb, Carmine Falcone, Jefferson Skeevers, first appearance, and Albert Bloom, single appearance. Other characters, we have Barbara Eileen Gordon, Brandon, Feck, Lerner, Stanley Merkel, Charlie, first appearance, Marion, or single appearance, excuse me, Marion, single appearance, and Shelley, which is a single appearance. Now, to go over the plot synopsis as brief as possible. An escaped mental patient named Albert Bloom has taken hostage and is threatening to kill her. Commissioner Loeb sends SWAT Commander Brendan to the scene of his apartment to take care of the situation. Lieutenant Gordon hears about the maneuver and intercepts Brendan before he can do anything rash. Jim enters the building alone and manages to single-handedly defeat Bloom without causing him any undue harm. 
he knows that Brandon's team went in, and the, if he knows that if Brandon's team went in, the results would have been disastrous. A few nights later, Bruce Wayne makes his first debut as the Batman. He attacks a group of teenagers stealing electronics and intercepts them on an apartment fire escape. The fight proves difficult, and one team nearly loses his life. However, he succeeds in apprehending all three and promises to improve his technique before venturing out a second time. Over the course of several weeks, rumors of the Bat begin circulating all throughout Gotham City. Even Detective Flash experiences a chance encounter with the mysterious vigilante. Lieutenant Gordon holds a meeting with the other cops and addresses the Batman situation. Flash gives his jaded eyewitness account of the Batman, but neglects to include the details involving his own illicit affairs at the time of the encounter. Four nights later, the Batman breaks into the mayor's mansion. The mayor is hosting a party with several key patrons, including Commissioner Loeb and criminal entrepreneur Carmine Falcone. Batman throws smoke grenade through the window and warns them that from this point forward, none of them are safe. Following the event, Loeb appoints Batman, the lead investigator, and a special task force designated to bring down the Batman. Gordon begins investigating a chain of suspects, a chain that takes him all the way to the district's attorney's office. He interviews the assistant DA Harvey Dent and begins expecting him of the Batman. However, Dent has a solid alibi for his whereabouts and Gordon crosses him off the suspect list. In truth, Dent is keenly aware of the Batman's presence and has been secretly aiding him. Later, Gordon and Detective Sarah Essen are nearly killed by a runaway truck driver asleep at the wheel. Batman arrives on the scene and Gordon witnesses him rescue a, a weena, which is weird because uh, I didn't know what that meant in the issue as well. A W-I-N-A who has fallen in the path of an out-of-control vehicle. He commands Batman to talk. He commands Batman to halt, but the vigilante starts down an alleyway. SWAT officers arrive and open fire, but, but Gordon begins to suspect that the Batman is not the evil creature that he had read about in his files. The Batman runs inside of the derelict building for shelter. Commissioner Loeb consults with the SWAT officers over the radio and authorizes the use of deadly force. Chief Brandon uses a helicopter to firebomb the apartment building. And that's kind of where it ends, where you see Batman's silhouette in the background creeping over the SWAT team, which to me implies that the next issue is going to be extreme heavy uh, action-focused, unlike uh, this one. Now, this issue, I do like this issue. Um, I feel like it's more Frank Miller than the first one. The opening two pages are incredibly busy, and I, I, I assume that's kind of to give it um, this busy traffic feel, but at the same time, he's trying to convey a lot of information to me all at once, and I have two options. Feel like I'm in traffic or have a panic attack, because Jesus Christ. Um, but Gordon winds up going up to this building, and um, you kind of see how he feels about his job, about his gun, and kind of how he feels in the face of danger, which is he's always scared, but he's always willing to do what's necessary. And we see that because of his actions, more and more officers are bitching and complaining to Commissioner Loeb that this guy's just out of control. And you kind of see the exper experience with Gordon, and 
you can kind of juxtapose that with the experience Batman's having. And it's kind of like, man, these two would make uh, the perfect team if they were to team up or something like that. Because Batman has almost zero experience doing this. He almost kills somebody. But one of my favorite panels in this issue is Gordon's actually at the firing range. And he's having an internal monologue where he says it kicks, gunpowder gunpowder burns my eyes and fills my nostrils, a wad of lead files. If that were a man, the wad would shatter his spine, and he'd feel his legs go dead even as his heart explodes. Another kick. The wad would leave a neat round hole, and I'd see the horror in his eyes as it pushed half of his brain in the back of his skull. I hate the gun. I hate my job. I keep practicing. And then the panel immediately... Immediately below is another kick. So Frank Miller and David Mazzuchelli is like uh, almost comparing the two instances, except uh, which which are both, as we know, kind of regret in this moment because he doesn't he doesn't want to raise a kid in this city, and he also doesn't want a job where he's forced to protect himself and kill other individuals. But that's the harsh reality of his job. And in the following page, he even says, I pray he's very strong and smart enough to stay alive. How did I let this happen? How did I screw up so badly to bring an innocent child to life in a city without hope? And the panel immediately below that is Batman with his uh, cape spread apart like he's about to glide off a building. So, I mean, in this issue, what I find interesting is once it gets to the speedy and rocky start that it does, it starts to slow down and settle in, and it kind of, like, uses the pacing to its advantage, and it, it never lets up. How do I explain this? Um, it comes at you full throttle, and it keeps you intrigued enough to want to keep reading, and the pacing the pacing just feels right. I don't know how else to put it, because... Um, as I said, the first two pages are extremely busy. Then you get some information about Gordon. You get some uh, inexperiences from Batman. And then um, immediately you get an eyewitness uh, testimony from Flash, which is him basically uh, uh, not saying that he was you know, on the side doing some dirty business and that the Bat creature isn't a man. So you're getting more perspective from these characters and you're seeing these characters grow in different and unique ways and the speech bubbles are paced in in such a way that just keeps it flowing and keeps it going it's never stagnant and when it is stagnant uh david mazzuchelli uses art in a very unique way to kind of settle you into a certain situation and then dive right back into the character's thought so I mean, we're seeing these characters in action, and then we're seeing their inner monologue, and you're learning a lot, a lot about them. Like, you're learning that Carmine Falcone does not like the Batman. It's bad for business. And the mayor, I mean, the commissioner, I'm going to keep saying the mayor, the commissioner uh, really doesn't care because guess what? Um, Having a masked hero around the city is actually really good for his internal politics. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night... None of that really matters because Batman busts in and he says, which is the best drawn panel in the entire book, in my opinion. The panel right below, it's kind of weird because it looks like he's got a mustache and he looks like he's from the Mask of Zorro. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's there. It says, ladies and gentlemen, you have eaten well. You've eaten Gotham's wealth 
its spirits. Your feast is nearly over. From this moment on, none of you are safe. And you you don't get the entire scene, but you get the illusion that um, you get uh, alluded to the fact that he roped up Carmine Falcone and threw his car in the river. And then you get tidbits from uh, the commissioner saying that he basically uh, um, wants him dealt with. And, and Gordon almost does that. But a very unique thing, uh, probably not unique, but interesting to Gordon's character because I've never personally seen it, is it's alluding to Gordon eventually cheating with Essen, maybe? Um <laughs> She lights his cigarette, and he says, I could kiss you, Essen. I'm already tasting her uh, lipstick on my cigarette, and it's like, is he really going to do this? I've never read this, so that I purposely don't know if you hear my kid going, Dada. He's, uh, he's mad that I'm recording this right now. And then when Batman's able to do the thing that Gordon's not able to, it kind of like brings everything to a head. It, it it almost in my mind. I don't know if this is alluding to the fact that they're better together, better together, or that Batman's always one step ahead of Gordon and the GCPD. But the fact that Batman saving this just uh, innocent bystander walking across the street is uh, intriguing. Also, I mean the fight along the um, the side building stairwell. I, I mean I'm from Texas. I don't know what they're called the ladder wells. Um, is very interesting because it's so very, like, like flaccid Batman, if that makes sense. Like, he's fighting guys who are just still in TVs, and he almost uh, kills one of them. He's getting his ass kicked, too, and it's like, is this really Batman? And then he does something badass like, a, you know, rope up Carmine Falcone, and then he just saves some innocent bystander. You're seeing some really fluid and really uh, dynamic Batman here. You're also seeing Batman getting shot in the leg, and it looks like he's uh walking to the the restroom for a quick poop, which is a very <laughs> interesting panel. And I don't know; I didn't expect this issue to end the way that it did with the with the explosion. Um, like honestly, at all. I mean, obviously, uh, Batman's uh picking the right gu- guitar strings because it's playing all the notes of his death, and like. This uh this last panel of him, uh, all the SWAT officers looking through the rubble, and you just see Batman's uh, dark figure and eyes. And then the next page is literally you've got him cornered, they've got him outnumbered, they've got him trapped, they're in trouble. And it's like, damn. And I don't know what it is about Frank Miller's writing, but it's so, it, it's so intriguing. Like, um, The Dark Knight Returns is such a fascinating... A case study on what it means to be um, psychological in such a way. And all these notes going through these characters and inner monologues are almost, I think, more effective than the dialogue because the dialogue's like giving things away. It's pushing the story along, but it's really the inner monologues that's building these characters up in such a way. And, you know, of course, David Mazzuchelli is not pulling any punches with some of this art. But I do find that the Batman suit and the way that the Batman comes down the ladder well on the side of the building, it's it's almost it's basically the cover of this issue is is just really silly. And it almost feels like the Batman's too silly to be as good as um Frank Miller is writing him. I don't know. It's just 
it's silly. But I really did enjoy this issue. Again, it's taken me by surprise. Um, and the next episode will be issue 406 of year one. But on the side note, um, I'm also going to do uh, Batman Imposter. Now, I just read Batman Imposter. I know it has nothing to do with the Batman. Well, it kind of does. It kind of does. It feels like a Matt Reeves story. It feels like it's in that world. Like, if he made a sequel and some of those elements were in his movie, I would be thrilled because that felt like Matt Reeves' world and I didn't really want to leave it. And I was so incredibly impressed by the artwork. The artwork is so good and some of the writing and the relationship building. And, uh, I mean, hopefully they continue doing it because it's absolutely phenomenal. I think everybody should buy it. I think it's only available as hardcover or on Comixology. Um... I think you can buy the um, entire collection, hardcover collection, or you can buy each book from Comixology. I mean, you might even be able to buy the books individually on paperback. I'm not too sure. Um, but there's book one, book two, and book three. It is created by Matson Tomlin and Andrea uh, Sorrentino. And Andrea Sorrentino does some fantastic art. I also think this is uh, Matson Tomlin's first work on a comic book, if I'm not mistaken. I know he, uh, yeah, he co-wrote the screenplay for The Batman, and that's kind of why it feels so similar. Um, but he's also a director. I highly recommend that book. So I still don't know how the release schedule is going to go. I still don't know. Um, like kind of what I want to do after all of this, honestly don't like, um, I kind of want to have a schedule to keep y'all like co correlated. And I understand that like professional podcasters are supposed to have, um, an update schedule for every single episode. So, so that you're aware, but I kind of don't want to restrict myself because life is life and you never know. But who knows, maybe I'll release um, three episodes a week or five episodes a week. It just depends on how I feel and how much time I have. So kind of with that being said, you can follow me at Year One Podcast or you can follow me at Stillbook Daddy. Um, I also have a MCU podcast uh, with my buddy Blaine over at MCU on or MCU underscore on underscore repeat. We are doing all the Fox X-Men films, God help us, right now. And uh, we just recorded <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine. So, just a bit of advice. Stay out of the shadows. Or Batson's coming to beat your ass. <laughs>